Hello and welcome to Impact the Borough, a podcast from the Greensboro Chamber of Commerce. I'm Brent Christensen, President and CEO of the Greensboro Chamber of Commerce. Each week, a Chamber staff member will sit down with a guest to discuss what we're doing to start and grow businesses, create quality jobs, develop our workforce, and tell the inspiring story of Greensboro to the world. This podcast is brought to you by Truliant Federal Credit Union a modern, mission-driven financial institution focused on the needs of its members, the businesses it serves, and our community. With five locations in Guilford County, including a dedicated commercial lending office at Friendly Center and a highly rated mobile banking app, Truliant makes it their business to help you grow yours. Visit truliant.org for more information. Today we are honoring the 60th anniversary of the Woolworths Lunch Counter Sit-Ins. We all know about the vital role four NCANT State University men played in the event. But did you know female students, specifically Bennett Bells, were a cornerstone of the movement too? We have one of those women here in the studio with us today. But before we meet her, let me tell you a little bit about your host, Tracy Myers. Tracy is the Chamber's Executive Vice President for Member Engagement. She joined us in July after more than 20 years in the banking industry including her most recent role as Vice President for Business and Community Development at a legacy federal credit union. At the Chamber, she focuses on membership with the goal of making Greensboro a more inclusive, vibrant business community that is a better place to live, work, and play. Welcome, Tracy. All right. Thank you, Brent. Welcome, everyone. I'm here today with Dr. Suzanne Walsh, president of Bennett College, and Dr. Linda Brown, a Bennett alumni who participated in the sit-in movement in July of 1960. Welcome, ladies. It's great to have you here today. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Um, Could each of you just tell us a little bit about yourselves, and we'll start with Dr. Walsh. Sure. I'm Suzanne Walsh, and I am the 19th president of Bennett College. Awesome. Dr. Brown. I'm Linda Brown, um, a graduate of Bennett, 1961 class, um, resident of Greensboro, still teaching. And an author. I'm just going to add to Dr. Brown's (laughs) intro for her because she won't say all the amazing things about herself. Well, and that's a perfect lead in um, to a question, Dr. Brown. Mm -hmm. You've written a book about your experiences in the movement. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Well, I wrote the book um, to highlight the Bennett College women and their role in um, the sit-ins, both in the sit-ins and in the continuing movement which um, actually took until 1964. Um, So uh, I wanted to clear up some things in um, reference to what the community uh, believed about what happened. And I think that's very important um, because we do have individuals in our community who were participants in that movement. Mm -hmm. And the stories over time have taken on a life mythic of their proportions. own, right, and, and mythic <laughs> proportions. So it's very exciting to hear from someone who actually participated. Can you tell us a little bit about what it was like and what are some of those mythic? Well, um, my book describes, um, and I was I was deliberately going after this, how it got started, um, how it happened that the four young men decided to go downtown, and the fact that the planning for these sit-ins started in 1959, in the fall of 59, um, at Bennett College in the Student Union Building. And um, the student NAACP chapter 
um, was was looking at this and talking about it and planning it, um, and it was planned to start uh, before the Christmas vacation. And at that point, um, the president of the college, Dr. Willa Player, um, advised us and said, um, you really should wait until after Christmas because a movement like this uh, will lose its impetus if you go home um, and then come back and uh, and have to start it over again. So we were waiting until after Christmas vacation. Um, now, in the meantime, it's really important to know that the A&T fellows were part of these meetings, um, that they were invited by us to participate in these meetings. And so we all knew about starting after Christmas. Um, they simply took it upon themselves to kind of go when they decided they were going to go, which was February the 1st. Um, so the actual decision to do the sit-in um, was a planned strategy and not a spontaneous movement on the part of these young men. I think that's part of what is really important in Dr. Brown's book is that she talks about all of the groundwork that goes into a movement because the mythology, back to your question, the mythology I think is often about the single actors or the first people that we all see in the press, but you don't realize all of the pieces that go into it. I, I think one of your other comments in your book is about if you even look at Rosa Parks as somebody mm -hmm. who everybody says, oh, she started this movement, but she was a trained political activist. Right. And she she knew that she was going to do that, and they had selected her because of her respectability and um, the fact that she was um, this kind of mild-mannered woman who wouldn't um, be, you know, typical. Um, there were a lot of reasons that they selected her, but there were also a lot of reasons that she had the courage to do it. Mm -hmm. Being select is one thing, doing it is another thing. Um, so I think that the women at Bennett never wanted to take away from the the decision of, of the guys. Um, and one of the reasons that it wasn't talked about and that it wasn't corrected, so-called corrected, um, was that we were looking for um, solidarity. And we didn't want to appear to the community to be um, fighting with each other. And that would not have done the movement any good. So, um, you know, we just, it wasn't, it, it, it wasn't an issue um, until later. And it was 50 years later when, when I said, well, it's about time that somebody corrected this and told the story correctly. Right. Um, one of the things that I find incredibly, um, one of the things that I'm most impressed by in my interactions with Dr. Walsh has been your ability to tell the Bennett story mm -hmm. and your desire to put that first. And mm -hmm. I think it's been incredibly um, inspiring to watch that through the course of the 60th anniversary this year that Every time I see something from you, it's, and here's the Bennett piece of it, and here's that Bennett um, component. So talk a little bit about that and about your passion for making sure that that Bennett story gets told. Well, as I came into the job, I didn't realize we were heading into the 60th anniversary, um, but I read a statistic about um, 
under Dr. Player's leadership as president that 40% of our students were arrested during the sit-ins, and that became my favorite statistic. I was like, yes, I want to lead a place where 40% of the students were arrested, and the president said yes to that. Because the importance of that social movement, that civil rights moment, the role of women, I just couldn't believe everybody wasn't talking about it. So that was the, the first thing. And then I realized, oh, wait a second, it's the 60th anniversary. Um, but one of the other things I've been trying to do, I don't even know if I've told you this, Dr. Brown. I tried desperately last semester to find um, mug shots from those who were arrested mm-hmm. because I wanted to put them on T-shirts. Oh, right? Um, and it was because I think there's a way of celebrating our history that's not a generic way of saying, Bennett is important for historical reasons. No, we're important because we were on the front lines of all of the major civil rights movements in Greensboro that sparked things nationally. Um, the 60th anniversary is icing on the cake to me, but it allows us to be able to continue to amplify stories that I just kept uncovering. I, sometimes I call um, Bennett College, you know, sort of hidden figures part two, the right. Bennett College story. Mm-hmm. And so my passion is because we have something relevant to say about history that's relevant today. And uh, I just, I do not want our Bennett Bells to go unnoticed, to be hidden uh, continuous, continuously. Um, and then we were at an event where Dr. Brown was just honored recently mm-hmm. at the Civil Rights Museum. And I almost fell on the floor and we had a table of students, we had alums. I think we all almost passed out both Reverend um, Jackson, Jesse Jackson mm-hmm. and Danny Glover, both spontaneously gave shout outs to Bennett women and the role of, wasn't that amazing? Um, Yeah. Right. And so I think, you know, slowly but surely we're, we're being able to um, highlight Mm -hmm. this important role. And then I think the other thing that I'll say that I love about Dr. Brown's book and why it's so emblematic of, of Bennett is she goes really directly at the role of gender and what are our expectations in terms of, gender and the respectability of women and what that meant for the movement and what that also means for why we're often hidden. We're hidden figures because women were not part of those historical um, retellings, I guess I would say. Right. Um, One thing that I have found incredible has been just the power in sharing that statistic. Mm. So that was the first time this year was the first year that I've heard that statistic Mm. um, shared and you shared it. And I have heard that repeated in the community over and over and just, it has been embraced. And Mm. so just the power of that one little (laughs) fact. And I think that's a key component to the book and and why that is so important because Uh I know females, especially embrace those stories. And we find that incredibly important and how we can take a situation like that and actually um, look at how we affect change and and how those roles have changed and how we can take advantage of the changes that have happened since then. I have done as much as I possibly could to promote the, um, what I said, is the truth Mm. of what happened. Um, and, and it takes time. I mean, uh, I wrote the book as I was retiring from the faculty at Bennett. And the last year that I was there, I was working on the book. And um, I really 
appreciated the support of the administration in giving yeah. me, um, um, you know, that year to write. And um, so it has only been since 2013 that the book has been out and that I've begun to be invited to places in the community. And, and it never fails that I, that I give that statistic and that I tell the story and that people... I mean, obviously people are beginning to listen, and that's a wonderful thing, and that's wonderful for a writer. People are listening to you. That's all you want, you know? <laughs> so um, it, 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 is, um, it is a slow thing, though, you know, because it, it, this, this mythic story is um, engaging to the media. They want to keep telling this story of these four guys who woke up one morning and said, let's go downtown, mm-hmm. and because it's dramatic and, and for all the reasons that that would be engaging to the media. Um, so the other story... And I, and I must say that all of the presidents that came before President Walsh since I've been there, President Call, um, and, uh, and so on, they, they have been behind me. You know, it's, 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 it's not something I have done all by myself by any means. It's been the institution and its leadership wanting to say, yes, you go ahead and tell this story, and I appreciate that. I think we all see ourselves as sort of descendants of, right? Um, at least I, I embrace it. Um, I also think that I would have been best friends with Dr. Player, but it's just in my own head. But I think that the, um, I think we do see ourselves as part of a legacy of courageous presidents, starting with Dr. Player. And um, I think it was one of the, was it Dr. Cole or Dr. Malvo who asked you to even consider writing this? Well, um, I think... I don't know when mm. when when the when, when the idea came forth. I asked for some time to write, nice. and you know I I don't know. It's hard for me to go back and remember <laughs> that, but uh, I certainly appreciate both of them saying yes. Go ahead and do this. And you know when Dr. Cole got to the um, Smithsonian, she um, she went into the um, was the was the African American exhibit? The museum wasn't built yet. The new oh, museum right. wasn't built yet, and she went and waged war for them <laughs> to, to um, put in their exhibit the role of Bennett College. So I mean, it's like a lot of people, you know, um, getting on the bandwagon, including my Bennett sisters who who graduated with me and who were there, and then we had a. 50th anniversary mm-hmm. on campus and invited um, those who could come back. And we had a major panel discussion in the chapel um, because it was 50 years. And so we had, we had I think, about 10 people wow. who came back for that 50th anniversary. Well, and I just met one of your um, sis Bennett sisters who's involved, um, Joyce Garrett. Uh-huh. And what I loved visiting her, she lives in um, the D.C. area, she had a letter. She went to jail. She was on those who was arrested. She had a letter that her roommate wrote to her while she was in jail with, like, the news of what uh-huh. was happening. Uh-huh. Um, and she had a napkin, a paper napkin, that other students who were protesters had signed. Oh, she did. And um. so I think that there's more to come in this story <laughs> because I think that so many um, who were involved probably have these things that 
you just think of as mementos from college, mm-hmm. but right. they're significant in terms of their historical, yeah. um, their uh, ability to help us in terms of understanding the story. Yeah. Yeah. I sent out a um, survey to um, everybody who that I could find who graduated between 1958 when Dr. King came to Bennett mm-hmm. and 1964, and I sent out a questionnaire to all of those graduates. And with the help of the alumni office, which is what I mean. I mean, people were, you know, on board. And so um, the letters and so on that are in the back of the book are the responses to, are many of the responses. Um, There must have been like 250 questionnaires that went out, and maybe 80 of those people were those who were still living, those who were still able to write, those who were completely involved in their communities. There must have been 80 or 100 responses Mm -hmm. to that questionnaire. And those, so one of your questions was, what was it like? And I wanted to say, well, read the book. (laughs) (laughs) The women who wrote back say say what it was like. They are in the book. Yeah. They're in the book. So to wrap up, I will pose this question to you both. What is it about the culture at Bennett that produces students who aren't afraid to stand up for their beliefs? There's something special about Bennett. What is it? Do you want me to start? Is that what you looked at? We can both answer. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I can answer from the past in particular um, that we in we were educated that way. We were we were told that part of your responsibility as an educated African American woman is to stand up for what's right and to have the courage to do that. And that never mind that you have the power. Um, we were educated that way. And then I think as an alum, um, I think that heritage is always put in front of the students. It continues to be put in front of the students, and you can talk about yeah. that. So um, our fresh women just met Dr. Brown a week or two ago, and I saw them in the hallways as they were coming out, and they were just electric um, we met her. She signed my book. And uh, the, it just tells you that that um, it resonates, the messages, the, uh-huh. that experience resonates. Um, but yesterday, uh, Dr. Brown and I were on a panel together with, a, with another alum who was there for the 1958, well, she snuck into the 1958 <laughs> uh, speech by Dr. King uh, on campus, and then one of our faculty members. And I really liked what the some of the comments from that so it made me think about you know what is it about Bennett and one of the messages from the professor Dr. Gwen Bookman um, was she implored our students um, to be alive where you are and don't be afraid to participate that that's really important for democracy we also heard from students who asked us questions and provided comments that they're involved with the census. Mm-hmm. So students, and they're getting their sister bells to say, like, yes, right. get involved in the census. This is important. And then um, under uh, Dr. Well, yes, under Dr. Adams, sorry, Representative Alma Adams, um, you know, we, we have this phrase that comes back all of the time, which is um, a Bennett bell is a voting bell. And that is just in the water. So the notion of participation in democracy 
in all forms is critical to who we are and continues to be a message, whether it's from alums, whether it's from current faculty or students speaking to other students. So I think that's yeah. part of what it, what makes us yeah. a special place. We had a reenactment of uh, the 60s mm. marches, um, and it was about now 25, 30 years ago mm. now. But we, it was a major reenactment, and we did um, a week of seminars on campus to educate the student body about what had gone on, and then we marched. We went through the, uh, you know, the the way that the march took, which was downtown East Market Street and up uh, Friendly Avenue and so on. And that, and at the end of that, in front of Woolworths, were speeches and so on. That was what what the students said was that that was worth their whole four years mm-hmm. at Bennett. So you want to know how it's kept alive, it. Um, I think with every generation, there's an attempt to keep it alive. And the alumni, we really, we really don't let that die. You know, we're really active about that. Dr. Brown, would you share the name of your book, please? The name of the book is Bells of Liberty, Gender, Bennett College, and the Civil Rights Movement in Greensboro, North Carolina. And Dr. Brown, would you share with us where we can find a copy of your book? The book was published by Women and Wisdom Press. It's a North, it's a Greensboro Press, um, and you can find it with them. You can Google that. You can find it on Amazon, and you can um, look up my website, um, and all three of those places will help you get the book. Thank you. Thank you both for joining us today. It was an enlightening conversation. I know I have changed my perception of what occurred with the Civil Rights Movement, and I'm so impressed by the Bennett Bells and the legacy that they have and continue and what they're going to do in the future. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you. you. This podcast is brought to you by True Lion Federal Credit Union a modern, mission driven financial institution focused on the needs of its members the businesses it serves, and our community. With five locations in Guilford County, including a dedicated commercial lending office at Friendly Center and a highly rated mobile banking app, Truliant makes it their business to help you grow yours. Visit truliant.org for more information. You can find all of our episodes on YouTube thanks to our video sponsor, North State. Impact the Borough is recorded at Press Play Studios. Producers are Brody Cohen-Glaze and Holly West. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at GSO Chamber. See you next time.